Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. Thank you, Terry. Awesome. I want to welcome any first-time visitors that might be here this morning. If there's any first-timers, kind of wave at me in this section here. That's good. All regulars. We love regulars. That's good. How about in this section? Any first-time visitors? All right. We've got two in, two in the back there. If uh, someone would just bring them a couple of bags, there it comes. There's a little card in there, if you wouldn't mind filling it out, and just uh, drop it in the offering box on the way out. I promise I won't send you a lot of junk mail. So there's one right here, Evelyn, too, and then there's one right next to them. All right, there. How about over here? Any first-timers? All right. Well, welcome. Praise God. I want to pray over our offering this morning, and uh, just so many amazing things going on. We're all over the place. Um, our church, and we got all the different divisions of Global River. Uh, the Spanish division meeting next door, and our uh, outreach division is up in Jacksonville, and Nepal and India, just amazing things going on. Um, there's been a lot of floods in the Nepal region, but all of our folks are fine. I got a report from our leader there. We had one of our seminary teachers. She's been serving in our India seminary for years. Her and her husband were on a motorcycle, motor scooter, on the way to church Sunday night, and they got hit by a truck, broadsided by a truck. And uh, it's totally miraculous. Um, he was thrown into a pile of hay, minor uh, break in the, in the foot. She was in a coma. They thought, oh, my goodness, she might have, you know, she was actually knocked out in a coma, broken leg, in a broken kneecap, and our leader went in, and we had prophesied in March. I had a team there. I prophesied he was going to be laying hands on the sick, and it was going to see some miraculous things occurred. Well, an all-night prayer meeting about six or seven weeks ago, they brought a dead baby to the prayer meeting, and he laid hands on the baby, and the baby was raised from the dead. He called me. He, I'm telling you, he's a man of faith. Abednego, you can pray for him. Cover him. He's the one who had the brain tumor a couple of years ago. And anyway, they said he wouldn't walk. They'd lose his memory. Blah, 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 blah. Not cancerous. Removed. The doctor, Hebrew doctor, wondered who the seventh surgeon was in the room who stood there and watched. And anyway, they couldn't figure it out. He's not registered in the hospital. And they all tried to figure out whose associate he was. And, you know, I, and he had told a Hindu doctor who's done 130 of these surgeries, my God, Jehovah Rapha is going to be present. He said, whatever. And after that, he goes, I've never released anybody from the hospital. Took a size of a, a tennis ball out of your brain behind your right eye. No memory loss, no consequences. Well, yesterday, day before yesterday, he went into the hospital, laid hands on his seminary instructor, and she woke up from the coma. So come on. I'm telling you, God is alive. He's real. And so... We were able to provide monies. To, we were able to send. Uh, the, fortunately, a couple of years ago, our leader said, can we get health insurance, like $400 a year, something crazy like that. Might have been less than that because they have social, socialized medicine. But he ended up with that. So we were able to send additional money, and she's having reconstructive surgery on her knee. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for the love offerings that come, the designated giving that comes in, the tithes that come in that cover all the outreaches. And Lord, you know right now we're a little bit in the red for Ignite. We ask for you to fill that gap in like you always have. God, all the things that are doing, the, the 200 plus churches worldwide, 111 children. Lord, as we meet their needs every week, every month, you have been faithful. I've been here 19 years. You have never let us down. This song that says, trust the Lord and do good. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Wait patiently. Then it says, seek first the kingdom, and everything you need will be provided. So, God, you're faithful. So I pray a blessing over everyone who's able to give. Lord, we thank you, the tithes and offerings. They'll turn into the souls of men. We've seen many come to Christ this week at the tent. The little girl that I baptized last night, those young men we baptized the night before, that's all part of this process and plan. You're good, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, I want to ask Deanne Miller if she'll come up. I put her on the spot this morning, but uh, Deanne's got an amazing testimony. She's going to share about her first treasure hunt yesterday and what happened in the tent. So awesome. What's your shirt say? Ignite Jacksonville. <laughs> So definitely my first Jesus tent and my first treasure hunt. So, so excited. Uh, we were in the tent, and we had a lady who had a group of young um, people with her, and she was asking us on this treasure hunt. She gave us about four or five categories, and she said, just write down what's the first thing that comes to your mind. So one of the categories was, what body part do you want to pray for? So the other lady that was with me, she had arm. And so the first place that we went to, the gentleman had a cast on his arm. And we were able to pray for him. And then my body part was heart. So the second place that we went, we went out to, to homes just to minister. And you were knocking on doors? we were knocking on doors. Right, we're here come ignite, right? Yes. <laughs> we were just inviting them to the tent. So uh, sh this lady that we were able to pray for had heart surgery. So that's what the heart was about. I thought it was a heart attack. I think I, I said that last night. But it, actually, I saw the scar where she had heart surgery. So another um, thing that she asked for us was to pray for, like, what is their appearance? And I, I just thought, Okay, male, long hair, white T-shirt, and jeans. So we're finished knocking on doors. We're, we're back at the mission. And I see that, and I'm not even thinking of it. And I see this guy. Oh, my gosh, he has long hair. He's a male with jeans and a white T-shirt. And I ran to him. And so. Did he receive it? Well, he had just stepped out away, and there was another lady there that was Kim, and you met Danny and Kim, and so we were able to talk to Kim, and we invited her to the tent, and they both came that night, so my treasure hunt, both of my treasure hunts are God's treasures, Yay. and I'm so excited for him for doing that in their lives, because when they walked, I got to see them leave the tent, and they just, they just had a joy all over them. So you got out of your comfort zone, knocked on a door, asked God in advance for a sign, mm -hmm. and all that was fulfilled. Yes. And that's something. Praise God. Thank you, Deanne. Praise God. The uh, last night I was, we were, we had this amazing um, white oak church provided, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds of fish they had, everything. So we fed. So I always look for people, it has been wild. It's probably Wednesday night, I was told, exceeded every, every one of our tent attendances. There were 11 churches there. It was, it was wild. And of course, then it monsooned <laughs> the next night, right? It was like, whoo, and uh, it was pretty wet, but it's dried out. And last night was just amazing. So this lady walks in, and uh, her name was Kim. I said, hi. And she looked a little like, wow, this is kind of neat. She had just gotten out of jail that day. She'd been arrested for uh, trespass 45 days due to trespass because she was living in the woods. And she'd gotten out, and she said, I don't have a place to stay. I said, well, we have food here. Come on, let's get She went and got a whole plate of fish and then more. And, and then she said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, you can camp right here. We have people sleep in the tent. Just he goes, and you won't get arrested here. So she was there. Then I turned, and this guy, Danny, had long hair down to here, white shirt. And I said, Danny, how are you? He goes, that lady over there invited me to come here. Today. I said, well, did you get something to eat? He goes, yeah, I'm at the homeless shelter. And, and then Pastor Mike said, get everybody. We gathered around him and prayed, and he just got blessed beyond. So, hey, between the, the outreaches, um, there was a young girl. I, th I think she's eight or nine. She was nine. The first night Sarah was leading worship, she was just all over. She just felt the presence of this young lady. You could tell her daddy's not into all this stuff. And the mama was encouraged. And then I didn't know it. The next night I was there during the altar call, this little eight-year-old, nine-year-old comes up, gets on her knees. I start praying for her. And then my, my Sarah tells me, that's the one that I led to the Lord the night before. And uh, Lisa Lightfoot, who's painting up there, last night she gave the angel 
painting that she did as a, after we baptized this little girl and had the daddy come up and, and uh, man, it was just, I live for these moments. I'm just telling you, it gets us outside the walls. Yeah, it's, it's dirty, it's smelly, you got porta potties, you got mud, it's, I love it all. And so um, it's, just, it's just that intersection of God's grace that comes and stuff happens out there that doesn't happen in many places. So if you can come tonight, uh, Pastor Faith will be coming. She's a powerful prophetic woman. She was here a couple of months ago. I guarantee it'll be a time. So if you can drive, it'll take you one hour. But uh, I think I'm, I might be loose. Am I loose? All right, let's try that. Is that any better? Great. Hello, hello. All right. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. If you have not received a, an outline, why don't you raise your hand and we'll run and get some. Everybody got? Okay. Uh, well, I guess we did a pretty good job. We'll get a couple right there. Sharon needs one. Um, I think you're really going to need an outline this morning. Um, I've kind of pulled together a bunch of sermons that I think they're all on my heart. But I want to declare to you that I believe, I know Paul... Terry was giving me business today. Uh, Paul believed that the return of the Lord was really near. But I believe the return of the Lord is really near. <laughs> and in, in God's uh, calendar, you know, Peter, Peter said that a, a day is like a thousand years. So we're only like two days into the Lord's calendar, right? And so it may seem long to us, but our breath and our life, your life is over as a whisper. That's what it says. So turn around, look around uh, 50 to 100 years from now. None of us will be here. Maybe some of the young ones will be. Uh, you'll be here. Okay. Praise God. All right. There, there's the, um, yeah, yeah, Okay. Well, good. You guys are whopping in faith, and that's great. Um, Bible says 120, so, but we'll just leave it there. What I'm trying to make the point at is this is not it. This is not it. If you think this is it and you're putting all your hope in this, it's not it. This is just a test. This is a test. Uh, so this morning I want to preach on the day of the Lord is near and it's right at the door. So I'd like you to turn with me uh, to Genesis 20, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 24. And as you're turning there, there's a very wonderful scripture in First Chronicles when David is about to be made king. There's a group of the sons of Issachar. That's that first line in your handout, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Turns out the sons of Issachar, Issachar was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. So you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, if you remember when Jacob is about to pass on, he blesses all 12 of his sons. He starts, that's in Genesis 49. Uh, he starts there. First, he takes Joseph's two sons. Remember, Joseph had gone into Egypt, and Manasseh and Ephraim were born and he says, I'm going to make you my, your sons are going to be my sons, those that were born in Egypt. And he, he blesses them, blesses something powerful about blessings. And uh, David lines up his sons so that they get the blessing, the right hand. And Jacob crosses his hand and blesses and, and makes the declaration that the younger son will be the blessing. And, uh, and it's true. So at this point, the sons of Issachar are the descendants of one of the sons of Jacob. And when it came time in the de declaration of making David king over Israel, the sons of Issachar, it says in First Chronicles, they understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course to take. We need some sons of Issachar right now. We need them to influence our president to make a difference in the nation to make a difference in our military. We need those who understand the signs, those in the natural, but also in the spirit. And today I want to try to pull out, I believe we're in a momentous time. I'm getting more excited. I've been excited for years about uh, eschatology in the end, but I just, man, it's going to be really hard to not get more and more excited about what's coming. That sons of Issachar, number one there, it says the Hebrew word for understanding is to have insight. So the sons of Issachar understood. They had insight, and they knew the best course to act with prudence. So the question I have for you this morning is, what is the course you should be on, and what act of prudence should you be taking? That's a pretty valid and momentous question that we need to ask ourselves, that we don't miss it. We don't get wrapped up and get off course, but we also recognize 
The time is coming. So, I mean, we not know the day or the hour, but we certainly can know the season, and we can see that Christ is very near. So, are you there in Matthew 24? There's a, interesting, if you've studied any form of eschatology, if you look at Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, those are three accounts by the, the, the writers of the Gospels there of what Jesus said on the Mount of Olives after the prediction of the end of this reign in Israel is about to come to an end, and Israel's about to get scattered, right? And so in Matthew 24, I want, you, I want to read this, and you listen. I counted, I actually listed in my Bible at least uh, 14 specific signs that Jesus said were going to be a marking. Let's read this together. I'm going to read out of the New Living, Matthew 24, 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished and not one stone will be left on another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, and they said, tell us, when is this going to happen? What's going to be a sign? What will signal the turn of the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name. They'll claim that I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors and threats of wars. Don't panic. Yes, These things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. This is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you're going to be arrested, persecuted, killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray, and they'll hate each other. Many false prophets will appear. They'll deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom, it's going to be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. This day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration that stands in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of the roof must not go down to the house and pack. A person in the field must not return to get his coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. It will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of this calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will not be shortened for the, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is here, don't you believe it? False messiahs, false prophets, they'll rise up. They'll perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, the messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as lightning flashes in the east and shines in the west, so it will be for the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of the vultures shows there's a carcass nearby. So will these signs indicate that the end is near. And immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he'll send his angels with a mighty blast 
of the trumpet, and they will gather the chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of heaven to earth. Learn a lesson from this fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you will know that summer is near. And in the same way, when you see all these things, you'll know that his return is very near. It's right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And when the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days in Noah's day. In those days before the flood... The people were enjoying their banquets and their parties, weddings, right up until the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. So you must keep watch, for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit the house to be broken into. You must be ready until the time of the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. A faithful, sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't come back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying, getting drunk? The master will return unannounced, unexpected. He'll cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing. Of teeth. Nice, easy listening, fire and brimstone. But he put it in Luke's gospel, 21. He put it in Mark 13. You look at the prophecies over and over again. We're going to look at a couple of them from the Old Testament as well. Jesus warned. Now, how many of these have taken place? Well, there's a few that even in Luke's gospels where it says, when Israel returns to her land, we're going to look at Ezekiel over and over. Ze- Zephaniah, Zechariah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all these prophets. And Jesus himself speaks of the fig tree, which represents Israel in the Testaments. In the Old Testament, the fig tree. When you see the fig tree start to blossom, is Israel blossoming? They are blossoming. And so when you look at what's happening there, when the time, Luke's gospel says, when the time of the Gentiles has been complete, the Gentiles will trodden down Jerusalem until the end of the Gentiles season is over. That happened in 1967. What genera- how long is a generation? Some say 40, some say 70, some say 120. I don't know. But he said, when you see that stuff going on, this generation is not going to pass. So the fact that Israel's in its land It was prophesied 2,600 years ago by Ezekiel when that happens. And when you start to see an alignment take place between Russia and Libya and Persia, Iran, of those making a plan to come against Israel, that's being set up right now. We're going to look at that prophecy in a minute. Does anybody know what feast day we're in right now? What finished yesterday and what feast day we're approaching for? Yes. So we just finished last night this place where the Feast of Trumpets. Now we're in this nine days of getting ready for the, the, the days of awe, the, the place of that preparation, the days of atonement. And then five days from that, shelters. Many believe, and I believe this to be true. In fact, let's do this. Would you turn with me? I want to... We're going to look at the feast days, but I'd like you to turn with me first to Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, there was a a fulfillment that took place last night 
according to the astronomers. Um, it's interesting how that was discovered in 2011. I've tried to write this down. There's a lot to it. You can go online if you'd like to get some more information. Look at Revelation chapter 12. And let's read in verse 1. It's one of my favorite chapters. It also says that this is how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I preached out of here about a month or so back about we've been in a war. We are in a war. The last verse of that chapter, last couple of verses says, the devil comes after all those who keep their commandments and believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's you. Uh, you're at war. But I, I want to draw our attention to verse 1. Revelation 12, 1. Then I witnessed in heaven. That's interesting. John's gospel, he says, I witnessed in heaven and even an event of great significance. Great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun. Now, that's interesting. You think, allegorically, we used to think, man, when I read this years, 30-something years ago, that this is just allegory. It's all neat. Well, guess what? They think it might have been fulfilled last night. Then I witnessed in heaven the event of a great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and the crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of the labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a red, large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns on her head, his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky and threw them to earth. And he stood in front of the woman, and she was about to give birth, ready to devour the baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule the nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God, to his throne. Let's go back to the outline. I want you to look at 1B, God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens. This is in Genesis 1.14. Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Now, this controversy, there's this whole thing about we shouldn't be and I don't believe we read horoscopes and we base our life and all that. But he also said in Romans 1.20 that the creation cries out that God is the creator. Those who worship the creation, you're, just a, you're in a losing battle there. You don't worship the sun. You don't worship the creation. We don't, the Hindus worship frogs and monkeys and all sorts of rats. And No, that's a created order. But it says we can worship God by the creation. So we're not going to worship the zodiac, but we're also going to be aware. And this... To me, is just I just get excited when you look at science, the what we're finding by the Hubble telescope discoveries and all of the things. It's like the universe is is tremendous. But here's what he said. Look at C. During 2011, an incredible new discovery was made. On September 23rd, 2017, yesterday, an unprecedented astronomical alignment will appear in the sky over. Israel. It's never happened before. If the, it, let me read on. The passage describes a heavenly sign where a pregnant woman appears covered with the sun, S-U-N, and the moon at her feet and crowned with the 12 stars. The woman gives birth to a male child who is caught up to God. For centuries, many thought that this was a form of allegorical symbolism, but today some researchers believe that it may be more than just symbolism. The seven feasts, we're going to cover that in just a minute. Drop back down to E. On the Hebrew day of Tishri, which falls on sunset, 27, 22nd of September, until sunset, the 23rd. It was interesting. The sun was going down so beautifully in the tent last night. It was gorgeous. And then as I was driving home, there was this little, I was driving my grandson home to Burgaw, and Highway 53, is, there's nothing there. The sliver of the moon was there. And this was all just like, man, we just, we just went through this event. And what the alignment, I was just thinking about all that God has done in the heavenlies. On the day of Tishri, 
through the setting of the sun yesterday, the sun will be in the zodiac constellation of Virgo. You know what Virgo means in, in Latin? Virgin. So the zodiac constellation, the sun, the S-U-N, will be within the virgin and a woman clothed with the sun. The moon will be at the feet of the virgin, Virgo, with the moon under her feet. The nine stars of the zodiac constellation, Leo, which is the lion, plus the three planets of Mercury, Venus, and Mars will be at the head of Virgo, a head of crown of the 12 stars. The planet Jupiter will be at the center. Isn't that interesting? Jupiter is known as the Christ planet. In fact, there's books written on it. They think, I don't have time to go in. But here's this, the, the Christ planet, or the one that has all the stripes all around, her, around it, and is the largest of our solar planets, is also the one that has the red spot right at the center. The, the planet Jupiter will be at the center of the Virgin and pass after September 23rd, Jupiter will exit Virgo after being there nine months. To the east, past her feet, so to speak, she was with child and wailed aloud, aloud in the pain and she labored to give birth. Jupiter, turn the page, is the largest planet of the king of planets, so to speak. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule the nations. In the biblical chronologies, if they're accurate, the earth is roughly, we're in 5778. We just entered the new year, right? So if in biblical chronologies, those who think it's older, well, good for you. But this is this place where biblical chronologies are accurate and the earth is roughly 6,000 years old, then the sign has never happened before. There was a near fulfillment on 3915 BC, but even that failed to portray the nine months of pregnancy. On September 2017's alignment appears to fulfill the requirement given in the biblical context, and it's amazing. Jupiter, the very star that represents the male child, is the same star that Frederick Lorson, you can look him up, previously identified it as the Christ star in the star of Bethlehem. Fittingly, Jupiter, like Christ, is known for its prominent Stripes that cover the whole planet, Isaiah 53, 5, John 19, 1. And it's great red spot like Christ's own spear wound in John 19. Now let's go back to the feast days. This, uh, you know, it's food for thought. We're not going to base, you know, all of eschatology, but it's, it certain seems to fit that there will be signs in the heavens and there's great things aligning. Now, when the feast days start to align in the very natural things, something, we ought to take notice. First of all, I believe that the first four feasts have already represented Christ's first coming. Turn with me, if you will, to, let's look at uh, Leviticus. Turn back to Leviticus 23. This is important for us to, to look at. Leviticus chapter 23, the appointed feasts of the Lord. You can meditate on them, look at them. Leviticus 23, and first is the Passover, and then there's the festival of unleavened bread. How many would agree that Jesus was the Passover lamb, right? He was the, the, the lamb that was shed for us, just like back in Egypt when they put the blood on the lamppost. In the unleavened bread, remember just before he went to the cross, he celebrated the meal with his family, with his, son, his, his apostles, his disciples, right? That unleavened, he, he was the bread that was broken. Remember he said in John 6, when so many of them vacated, he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no place with me? Many left him at that point. He turned to the disciples and said, what are you going to do? And they said, well, where would we go? You have life. We, we can't leave you. Many left him. We come to find out later, his body was broken. And his blood was poured out. How about this celebration of the Feast of the Harvest? That place where, in verse 9, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter into the land, I'm giving you, there'll be a harvest, first fruits. This is that amazing time. Well, then, how about Pentecost? Do we think Pentecost was poured out? Acts chapter 2. I shared that Wednesday night, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit that came. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the promise. And he sent the promise and they were baptized with fire. I believe the first coming, those first 
coinciding of the feast, the, the chronological alignment. Jesus fulfilled them on the exact days. 40 days from the crucifixion and the resurrection, he then is ascended, right? And the Pentecost, they poured out. I mean, the exact chronological timing. Well, if he did that, what about the second coming? And so when we look at the, the next feasts, if you look at verse 15, that's the Pentecost pouring out. But how about the Feast of Trumpets? I believe in verse 23 of Leviticus 23, 23. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, that was Tishri, the new year, just happened. You're to observe a day of complete rest. It will be a special day. Whole assembly. So I love the fact that we were up in the tent. It was like when we set these days up, it's like, that's interesting how that all came together. <laughs> Not coincidence. Then there's this, this place where the, the outpouring, the festival of trumpets. And now if you know anything about Thessalonians, we'll read it maybe later. It says the trumpet will blast and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those who are caught up together with him in the Lord, there's a trumpet day coming when he's going to call it all home. And I believe that's going to be the start of the last day. And then it goes on, and now we're in this nine days of repentance. And I'd encourage you over the next days, nine days, repent. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. If you want to take communion in your home, take communion in your home. Do, I'm going to ask my wife if we can do that as well together. I love that. Just, it's a time of preparation. If we know that the day of the Lord is drawing near, when you see these signs and know that it's right, really at the door, when you listen, look at what's taken place this last month. We've had three of the worst storms hit three of continental and uh, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, devastation, billions and billions of dollars. Are we in a time of judgment? Is it time? Is it a wake-up call? Mexico, two major earthquakes, another, another hurricane. A typhoon hit Japan, right? We've got some of G's plants there. Brian was telling me. A major typhoon hit. The world is in this birth pains of the twisting of all that's going on, all the chaos, nations gathering. We've got our president standing in the United Nations gave one of the best speeches I've heard in my lifetime and uh, made it really clear all the naysayers, you know, they need to get over themselves too. But we, we, got, we got a crazy man that says he's going to blow up a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific Ocean. This Korean dictator threatening, it's a, times of wars and rumors of wars. We're in those places. Famines. I get uh, plenty of mail every week. James Robinson, I forgot to get the mail in yesterday. I was at the tent. I went this morning. James Robinson, they, they are trying to minister in Sudan and throughout Africa. When you see the pictures of the starving children, it just absolutely breaks my heart. Such destitution, such destruction. Myanmar right now, there's a genocide going, killing Muslims and Christians being killed. It's, Man, if we're not living in the season. He said the, the gospel would be preached so that every nation would hear. Well, we got, I think there's 28 satellites now bombarding. You can turn on any place in the world and turn on and find the word of God being preached. Come on. If you don't think we're close, I, I think you may not be looking close enough. Amen. So I want us to look at the next set of feasts. If you think about we're now in this time of great revelation of self. It says, let me just read, in the first days of the, of the days of atonement, we just finished the new year, and now it says in verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, be careful to celebrate the day of atonement on the 10th day of the same month. Nine days after the festival of trumpets, you must observe an official day, a holy assembly, a time of denying self presenting yourself, special gift. There's a warning about those that don't take this seriously. Then you drop down, it says, then in verse 33, it says, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin a celebration, the festival of shelters, on the 15th day of the appointed month, five days after the day of atonement. So now we're in this place where the Lord is pouring out this revelation 
Now, I realize um, we don't have to get all wound up in all of the specifics. The Lord came and set us free from that. If you learn, turn with me, if you will. I wasn't going to go here, but let's turn with me to Colossians 2. This, I'm just going to give you my personal thoughts on this. In Colossians chapter 2, there were many that came and said, Pastor, why don't we uh, celebrate on Saturday? I said, well, you can. I think you should. But why don't you have service on Saturday? And then there's this pressure. Well, why don't you do this, this, and this, and this under the law? I said, because we're not under the law anymore. Um, but I thought Paul did a pretty good job. If you look in, in uh, Colossians and in Romans 14 and Galatians 4, look at Colossians 2.16. Paul shares this. He says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules were only shadows of the reality yet to come and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you for insisting on a pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they had visions of these things. Sinful minds have made them proud. And they're not connected to Christ, who is the head of the body, who holds the body together with joints of ligaments and grows. God nourishes it. You've died with Christ, so set free from all the spiritual powers of the world. So you don't have to keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules were mere human teachings about the rules of human teaching about the things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise, because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Then he goes on, chapter one, says, since you have been raised to life, set your focus on Christ. Now, I'm not trying to be critical of any that follow that, but I just, uh, when people come and say, well, what, how come you don't? I said, because Christ, we celebrate him every day, and there are, however, the reason I'm covering this feast is I believe that they are special in the Lord's eyes and they were, they're important. And we should, in our own hearts, follow these times once a year. This is a new year. It's a Jewish year. Jesus thought it was important in the first coming. He's paralleling in the second coming those days. So the preparation and the revelation of the importance of these feasts and what they represent in Christ is what we should embrace. So this is a time of atonement. We should really seriously reflect on where are we? Is there any place I'm off course? Get quiet with God. Ask him, where should I course correct? Are there things of immorality, of unfaithfulness, doubt, fear, addiction? Are there things I'm, I'm acting upon that will not allow me to be prepared fully for the day that comes suddenly? That's my heart's desire for me and for all of y'all that we would be in that place. And so, let me have you pick up, and let's go back to D, 1D. The seven feasts of the Lord provide a prophetic picture of the seasons of the Lord. Why is an understanding of the difference between the Western Georgian calendar and the Jewish calendar a major requirement that we should look at in order to properly understand the Jewish feasts? and how they fit into future Bible prophecy. The feasts of Israel parallel what has been called the rhythm of God that was established during the first week of creation. Find out the precise evidence of how this rhythm has continued through history with absolute precision. September 21st, this is kind of interesting. I didn't realize all the coinciding, but look at how God's timing. You think God caused Israel to be born in 1948 on just a oh-by-the-way day? Oh, no. No. He orchestrated all the, hol the Holocaust and everything. Well, he allowed what was happening there in the sinful part of the Holocaust. He doesn't bring the evil. He just evil hearts of men with their free will. But that positioned our presidents and our leaders in the United Nations to declare they need to have their own land. So that takes place. Well, guess what? It just celebrated the 70th anniversary of when the United Nations resolution allowed Israel to be recognized as a state, September 21st to the 22nd. 
It's the 50th year of the Jubilee for Jerusalem. Is that interesting? 1967, 50-year Jubilee. If you know anything about the forgiveness of all things, right? Is the time of the Gentiles been forgiven at this point? It's complete. They're not going to trample down. And it's the 70th anniversary of the Dead Sea Scrolls being fine. Is this coincidence? I don't think so. I just don't believe it. Now, I'd like us to look at some of the prophecies of before and how they fit in now. So this is number three on your outline. The signs are all converging. I believe the signs that have been predicted 2,600 years ago are now all converging. I want to give you enough evidence. You can go and look in Zechariah chapter 12 through 14, but I want us to look at um, Ezekiel's prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. This is the whole scripture. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel, he was, he was a wild one. But he declares, now he wrote this 2600 B.C. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, those who say, well, yeah, they wrote it after the fact. Sorry, it's not true. So now, Ezekiel 36, restoration of Israel. Son of man, prophesy to Israel's mountains and give this message. Your enemies have taunted you by saying, aha, the ancient heights belong to us. Your enemies have attacked you from all directions, replacing you the property of many, making the property of many nations. We know through history, Israel battled back and forth, good kings, bad kings, and all of the restoration, destruction, building the temple, destroyed again, build the temple, destroyed again. And then we come to the future prophecies. Let's look at 36 and we'll pick up in verse 19. I scattered them, Ezekiel 36, 19, I scattered them to the many lands to punish them for the evil way they had lived. But when they were scattered among the nations, they brought shame to my holy name. These are my people, the Lord, but I couldn't keep them safe out of this land. Then I was concerned for my holy name on which my people brought shame among the nations. Therefore, Give the people of Israel this message, the sovereign Lord. I'm bringing you back, not because you deserve it. I'm doing it to protect my holy name. Remember, he's a man that he cannot lie. He prophesied he would give this land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants forever, which brought you shame, scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is in the name of which you brought shame among the nations, and I will reveal my holiness through you because of my very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. I will gather you up from among from the, all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and your filth will be washed away and there'll be no worship of idols and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will cause you to res- be responsive and I will put my spirit in you and you'll follow my decrees and you'll be, obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, and I will give you your ancestors promised long ago, your people, and I will be your God. I will give you great harvests and fruit trees, verse 30, fields never again surrounding the nations to be able to cut you off and, and scoff at the nation. In fact, the harvest in Israel, some of them, they're, Neil, what are they, number one and number two in some of the produce? Number two is the export of the produce to the world. To the world. That little nation. Come on, that, that, that's... You think that's being fulfilled? I've seen it. The deserts blossom. They water. It's like, it's unbelievable what you see there. Yeah, everything. Hydroponics and all that stuff. It's like, wow. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will cleanse your sins. Verse 33. I will repopulate your cities. Think that's happening? (laughs) And the ruins. In fact, they just went over, I think, six million Jews. They just realized it. And so your ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate in plain view, and everyone will again be farmed. And I will bring you back. The former wastelands will now be like the Garden of Eden. 
The abandoned ruins and cities will have strong walls and filled with people surrounding the nations. It's like, whoa. He's going to bring them back from all the nations, and he's doing that. Then chapter 37, he deals with the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live? But then I want to draw your attention. The restoration, the reunion of Israel and Judah. This is where they'll have one king. They now have a prime minister, the Knesset. All 120 in the Knesset rules. There's that place where all the northern tribes and southern tribes come together. Let's pick up in verse uh, 30. Let's look at 21. Chapter 37, 21. It says, I will give this message for the sovereign Lord says. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. Here we go again. I will bring them home again in their own land and from the places where they've been scattered. I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel. One king will rule over them, and no longer will they be divided in two nations or two kingdoms. Verse 26, and I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant, and I will give their land and their increase of numbers, and I'll put my temple among them forever, and I'll make my home among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and my temple is among them forever, and the nations will know that I am the Lord God of Israel. Chapter 38, nothing like a Bible study in a short term here, right? And he talks about Gog and Magog. If you go due north of Israel, you'll find Moscow, right? Many of them believe that Gog and Magog settled there in the due north. He says, Gog, I'm your enemy. Verse 4, I will turn around and put hooks in your jaw, and I will lead a whole army, horses, charioteers, a full army of the great horde among the shields and swords of Persia. That's Iran. Changed its name in 1937. Ethiopia, Libya, who's now fallen, and we're fighting there. So are the Saudis, right, trying to keep... Uh, the, the terrorists from doing anything there will join the two with all their weapons I'll bring you from the distant north with others get ready and be prepared keep your, all your armies, armies around you mobilized and take command verse 8 a long time from now you think 2600 years is a long time probably a long time from now you will be called into action in the distant future you will swoop down on the land of Israel and who those who are enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from the many lands of the mountains of Israel verse 12 and i will go those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile from many nations Verse 15, and you will come from your homeland in the distant north, you and your vast cavalry and army, and you'll attack my people of Israel, covering the land with a cloud. Is that paratroopers? Is that, what is it? John the Revelator saw it in Revelation. He talks about the great war. I want us to see that the alignment of the nations and all, the alignment of the stars, the Alignment of the feasts. I mean, he who has eyes to see, ears to hear, let him see and hear. Those who persevere to the end will be saved. Number three in the outline, the signs of the word are all converging from the return of the Lord is near. Israel's return to her land after 2,000 years. Prophecy by Ezekiel 2,600 years ago. Israel's enemies come against her. Jerusalem returned to Israel in the time of the Gentiles being fulfilled. Wars, threats of wars, famines, earthquake, persecution, hatred, sin abounding. The good news preached to the whole world. Anguish like never before. Signs in the heavens, suns and dark and moon and no light. Well, what are we to do? Get ready. Get ready, get ready. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. It's interesting, my wife and I have our uh, quiet time in the morning and she was reading in this morning out of uh, Jennifer LeClaire's devotional, and one of the scriptures is this scripture. It's get ready. And of course, that thing's written years ago by her. I just love how God says, hey, I don't want to coincide something here. So turn with me to Luke 21. It's the same warning Jesus had for the signs that will come. And I listed 16 signs in my margin here of all the things that are coming. I just want to draw your attention to the get ready part. Luke 21 in verse 34. Well, let me draw your attention. I've mentioned a couple of times. Look at Luke 24, verse, uh, Luke 21, verse 24. Luke 21, 24 says, They'll be killed by the sword, sent away as captives to the nations. 
and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. So in the destruction, in 70 AD, when the Roman legions came in and smashed it and destroyed all the temple, there was not one stone left. And then we know what happened in 1947, the rebuilding, and then all the wars, the Six-Day War, all the recovery, they restored and recovered Jerusalem. So even though they were scattered to the nations, destroyed by the sword, Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. I believe we're sitting on this cusp of Romans 11 where he says, when the exact number of Gentiles has come into the kingdom. I think there's a people clock that God's got in heaven. You know, we got the, we got the dead clock. The Lord's got his clock. All those that are coming to Christ. And then all of a sudden, when the exact number of Gentiles, Romans 11, has come to the kingdom, all Israel will be saved. Whew. And there's this, oh, you hear Sid Roth and all of what's happening. Unprecedented. He's been sowing there for over 30 years with walkers like talking to stones. And then all of a sudden, boom, people coming into all of them. This, the moves of God, the revelations of God, Jesus showing up, both Muslim and Jew. Come on. I believe the fulfillment of the Gentile time over Jerusalem was fulfilled. That scripture's been fulfilled. Then he goes on and says, Verse 31, in the same way when you see all these things taking place, you'll know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene when everything has taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, not my words will disappear. Here's number 34, watch out. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out! Watch out! You need to get ready, watch out. This is, this is serious time. Don't let him find you drunk someplace, carrying on with pornography, lying or being in adultery, stealing and going. Don't you get caught. I'm serious. This is a time to wake up. Watch out. Don't let your hearts become dull. If you're sitting home watching the soaps or something else and you're not involved with God, come on. Now, I'm not saying you can't relax. But if your heart's getting dull, and man, I used to, I had a guy come to me last, oh, I used to be so on fire, I've lost my fire. Well, then jump in the fire somewhere. Where are you going? Hang around people that are. Start fasting, start reading, start turning off the junk. Come on, I'm being serious now. Don't let, don't let, don't let your hearts be dulled by what is carousing, drunkenness, worries of life. If you're sacrificing your family for a paycheck, come on. Amen. I'm being serious. I, I had no intention to get all wound up, and I'm being wound up. Right? I don't know, Lord. I'm not apologizing. Vince says, don't apologize. I'm not apologizing, Vince. Watch out. Don't let. Now, some of your scripture says surfeiting. This is wild. My wife and I had to ask Siri what surfeiting means. It means excessive. Don't let you get caught. With the worries of life, drunkenness, carousing, surfeiting, excessive. It just seems like everything today has so much excess. From weddings to, I mean, every, everything we do. Even, even the, some of the Christmas things. I mean, you got to have more lights on your house than the neighbor next door. Or, uh, just excessive. We gotta accessorize everything. I'm, ladies, I love the way you dress and all that stuff. But, but really, I mean, I, I know I'm stepping over the line again. I'm gonna get it. I can hear it. I'm just I'm making a point. There's, there's, there's some simple things about just the word in the presence of God and being in that place with Him. We don't need all the music and all the sounds and all. Just get quiet with God and ask Him. Quiet time with Him. In your own little space, go in your prayer closet and hear the Lord. Yes. Lord, am I okay with you? I need to repent. There, I know there are things, and I'm speaking to Tom right now. There are things in my thought life, there's things that I think of, there's worries I have, doubt and fears and unbeliefs that God, God you got to route those things from me. Mm-hmm. So we don't walk by sight, we walk in faith. But there's, there's a reason Jesus put in three gospels in red letters, watch out. Watch out. Keep alert at all times. What does that mean? Keep alert at all times. And pray 
that you might be strong enough. You pray, just like he said to Peter. Peter, the devil's come to sift you. Pray, because I pray that you'll come. And when you get on the other side of this, encourage your brothers. Pray that you might. Sorry, when we run a 24-hour prayer, I got to tell you, I am disappointed that not everybody in this house doesn't sign up for an hour. I'm sorry, I just am. Pray at all times. When we ask in the Lord, we want, it, we want your families delivered. We want your, your children set free. We want cancers healed. Couldn't Jesus said they were so tired. Three times he went to the boys and said, could you just pray with me for one hour? Just, just one hour? And he didn't beat them up, but he was disappointed. He says, I'm about ready to go. and I need you to, I'm sweating blood in here. I've asked the Father to take this cup, and I just need some of my folks to stand side by side with me and lift me up. Well, we're, we're tired. We've got things going. And, okay, I understand. Please, watch out. Stay alert. Be strong enough to escape that you pray you might be you might be strong enough to escape what's coming. The horrors, the horrors that are coming on the earth. Pray that we'll be taken out of here. I want to be on the first trumpet blast. Now, if you're a pre-tribber, great. You're, yeah, well, if you're not, you're probably prepping. If you're a mid-tribber or a post-tribber, right? Because you say, man, I, I read this book. There's earthquakes that are going to come that are going to be so detrimental. There's tragedies. And, well, pastor, you think we ought to prepare? I do. You can't read this book and not think something bad's coming. He told you. Now, don't get weird about it. You don't, probably don't need to dig underground tunnels and survive the nuclear blast and come out. But I just assume, you know, go on the first plane out of here. Watch out. So the actions, get ready and watch out and don't let your heart get troubled. Pray without ceasing. Get under the shelter. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If any of this is bringing conviction, great. Fear, no good. Because he said perfect love expels fear. Now let me end this with a positive. How about that? Would that be good? 4C. Turn with, my wife says yes, you're getting too growly, Tom. She tells me, I'll hear it later, I'm sure. Okay, uh, 4C. Persevere and hold on. He's coming. Now, I love this scripture, and many of the, the, the trippers who believe we're out of here, we're not going through it. There's no mention of the church after chapter 3 of Revelation until Revelation 19, when all the mess and all the pouring out of God's wrath on the earth, there's no church mentioned. Praise God. And I believe this verse helps us in that, that we're not, why would God punish his obedient children? Doesn't match up with scripture anywhere. Peter said he knows how to punish the wicked and preserve the righteous unto the day. So if you're in the ark of Jesus, you are fine. Just be committed. Now let's look at this verse 310. To the church at Philadelphia, write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. The message to the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David who opens that no one can close and closes what no one can open. I know all the things that you do and you've opened door that no one can close. You've had little strength, but you've obeyed my word and you did not deny me. And I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they're Jews but they're not, to come and bow down at your feet and they will acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great day of testing. That's one day. That's that season. That didn't take place yet. I will protect you from the great day of testing that will come on the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so no one will be able to take your crown and all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never leave it, and I will write them, I will write my name of my God, and they will be citizens in the cities of my God, the new Jerusalem that's come down from heaven, my God, I will write on them a new name, 
Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Let's stand to our feet. I want to ask the ministry team if you'll come. And I'd like the worship team if you'll come. You can't give a message like this and not give an altar call. So I just, Lord, I just close your eyes for a moment and let's reflect. If there's some conviction going on in your heart, you're like, you know, I'm, I, if, if there's, hopefully there's no one here saying, yeah, I'm so good, I'm in. I'm everywhere, I'm fine. You might want to come to the altar just to get over pride. But, I, I, but all of us, it says, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 during communion, he says, would you judge yourself? If you've thought things that you, that you entertain, not all thoughts are yours, need to take them captive. But if you have entertained those thoughts of depression and despair and suicide and hopelessness and fear, if you've got this place of unforgiveness, there's people in your life, if they were in this church this morning and you could not stand next to them and worship, it'd be a really good time to come up and just say, I'm forgiving. I'm making a choice, a willful choice. Not maybe, it may not be an emotional agreement, but it's a, it's a choice. I want to forgive them. I want to bless them. I want, I want them to receive the blessings of God. And I release them from any hurt or harm or wounds they've brought against me. I don't, even to know how, to, how to vile it is, Jesus said, forgive. As they killed him and beat him and spit on him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Many don't know what they're doing when they abuse and they hurt and harm. So ministry team, if you'll come. And then if you're here, and if you've never surrendered to Christ, you're not sure, uh, literally, if, if your heart were to stop right now and you don't know where you're going, this would be, a, I don't care if you've walked the aisle 20 times, if you're not sure, come, pray with one of our ministry team members. Come, come. If you've wandered off and you're saying, look, I'm, I'm back, Lord, I'm, I'm coming, I'm back. I'm in a place where I need to walk closer to God, and I'm making a surrender. I want to have somebody pray for me and agree with me that I am, I am back and I am committed that all the days of my life now, I want to make right choices. I need you to empower me, Holy Spirit. He says he gives us everything we need to live a godly life. He's not a liar. He said he will give you everything you need to live a godly life so come, come. I pray a blessing over all that have come here today. Lord, I pray a blessing over their families. Lord, I pray that we will not be caught unaware. Lord, I pray that the word of truth will convict us. Take us deeper. Make us bigger lovers, God. I pray for the tent tonight. In the conclusion of this tent meeting, that, God, there will be those that will come. There will be a fresh falling, pouring out of baptism. And Jacksonville will be spark that goes all throughout southeastern North Carolina, all of the state and beyond. God bless you. Thanks for being here this morning.